My guest this week is Nigel Risner, Aka, the chief zookeeper. He's somebody who's spent the last 25 years traveling the world, inspiring people, helping them break down the limitations which are stopping them, uh, either as individuals or teams or organizations, from filling their potential. He's had an extraordinary journey. He's got some very wonderful stories, and he's got a unique ability, in my view, to, to both educate, stimulate, inspire, and entertain. This one's for everyone. A massive welcome to the TRM podcast to Nigel Risner, officially known as the Chief Zookeeper. Nigel, good to see you. <laughs> nice to see you and great to be back with TRM. Very good. Listen, you've been, uh, we've had you on the big stage, we've had you on the virtual stage. Um, massive fan of what you do. I was trying to work out if I was to sum up what you are um, and I couldn't really come up with anything that I was particularly satisfied with. Um, Irritational speaker. You're you're a you're a speaker. You're an author. You're a influencer. You're a zookeeper. I think I'll, I'll tell you what I really am. I'm an entertainment manager. Entertainment. So I entertain people and I train them at the same time to be a better version of themselves, so they have yeah. more fun, better relationships, and communicate better. More fun and better relationships. Communicate better. Love it. All right. I I, I, I want to get into some of the stuff that you do, but I but uh, I. I was always interested with somebody who's had a career like you, where you spent how many uh, hours and years on the stage all around the world. How do you get into that piece? Because because look at your background. You you were a you had your own business quite started out quite early, didn't you? So I I left school before I was sixteen. I joined yeah. a finance company. I then went to Israel to do hotel management. Lasted a day. Then became a tennis coach, tennis player, tennis umpire. Then came back to the UK, and then I joined an estate agent that sold nursing and residential homes. But I didn't want to join him, so we set up a separate finance company. And there was £12.80 in a bank account. And I said, I'll be the manager of that. And then I bought him out for £1.6 had venture capital people come in, which was a disaster. Um, and I'll come on to that in a minute, especially for your type of businesses that you work with. Yeah. And then resigned from my own business with one month's money, started all over again. And then I did that at home for six years. And then I went to the States to learn about self-esteem, personal development, self-effectiveness, communication. And then I came back to the UK. And for 24 years or 23 years, I've been traveling literally the world, speaking from young offenders, schools, BP, Barclays, uh, TRN, you know, whatever it is, but at senior levels as much as I can, who have the biggest influence on the rest of the company. All right. So why, by the way, you got that in the wrong order. You went Barclays, BP, TRN. I think you meant TRN, Barclays, BP. Exactly what I meant to say, but as a monkey, which we'll come on to in a minute, I, f I forgot I was doing a TRN <laughs> podcast. Okay. So what, what, on that trip to the States where you were developing yourself, something must have gone, wow. So, so what happened before that was having made a lot of money and losing money and then remaking my money, I went through a bit like the male menopause at about 33, 34. 
And what <laughs> happens when you've been very successful and then you lose it? And what happens to lots of people who are self-made, and you're, you'll see this in the recruitment business, that people who are self-made, they can lose it and can start all over again quite easily because they have an inner something, which if we knew what it was, we'd bottle it. People who've just risen through the ranks but never really put their guts and soul into the business, when they get fired, they find it really hard to start again because they don't know what that magic ingredient is. So I made a lot of money, lost money, remade my money. But when I remade my money the second time, my wife and I started having problems. And my wife went on a personal development course in the UK. I did the same course a bit later, but I realized there was something about personal development that said, in order for businesses to get better, people have to get better. And you can't make a business better because there's no such thing as a business. It's people in businesses. So again, if I go one stage further and apologize for being on a mini rant, when companies say we need to change the culture, you don't need to change the culture, you need to change the people. A company doesn't have a culture. It's the people in the business that have a culture. And, and all, all that comes from the top, which why I guess you focus on the leadership piece. Most of the time, but I, I want to work with influencers that influence their teams, that influence their children, because yeah. they're the people who can have the biggest impact. That's not to say if there was a junior recruiter, and I've worked with a few of them that have got self-esteem issues, but that comes from some event in the past. It hasn't come from losing three clients or two appointments not going well. There's a much bigger, deeper route. So sending someone on a course who loses three clients, it's, there's a root issue going on. And if yeah. you don't, can we go back a step? So we lead people and we manage things. You can't manage your teams. You've just got to lead them. And you can only lead them if you understand what the real root ingredient is that goes wrong. Have you ever made a cake, by the way? Uh, I have, yeah. I'm not big into baking, but I have. But, but if you've ever made something, yeah. and when it doesn't quite taste right, there's some ingredient in there that hasn't worked. Yeah. Because most recipes are not that complicated. Yeah. But if you put the eggs in before you put the water in, you put the sugar in before you put the, the bat, whatever it is, that's where the combination goes wrong. So when you're training somebody, somewhere along the line, you've got to know the person. Giving everyone the same training manual and hoping they're all going to come out the other end as a perfect cake, I can promise you now it doesn't work. And that's why some people in the recruitment business are phenomenal. And somebody with all the training in the world will never make it. Yeah. Can I, what you're talking about, the people coming into the world of work and uh, personal development, what, what should we all be doing as we head into the world of work in, a, in terms of self-awareness, personal development? Because I, I did some really cool stuff. I did some cool stuff in my 20s. I did some really cool stuff in my, in my late 30s and early 40s, some really interesting stuff that totally changed me. But I, I, and I loved it and I don't have regrets, but I kind of think there's some stuff I could have yeah, done. Are, a you little bit are you married? Uh, no longer. Okay. This is very like, happy, very happy though. Very no, happy. No, no, okay. But married people, before they get married, should do relationship counseling. Yeah. Yes. Yes. When people go into work, they, in theory, should be in coaching or counseling before they start to give them the best chance of success. So what mm. happens in the UK, which is a bit weird, somebody has well-qualified, they've got five O-levels, two A-levels, they've done a degree in marketing, 
and we decide they'll be great in recruitment. Yeah. And after six weeks, what happens is they've done really well and we make them a manager of a team of four or five people. Well, because they were good at this does not mean any chance at all they're going to be good at management. Yeah. I'm a good salesperson, okay? And so I started at 20 or 21. And I did really well, really quickly. I mean, I made a lot of money. And then when you start making money, you've got to employ people. And I was shite at two things. One was hiring people because everyone looked nice. Okay? So I'm now not allowed to hire people even today. Okay? But I also didn't give them the time of day because I could do the job myself quicker. Yeah. So I was phenomenal in sales, but I'd never been coached in leadership. Yeah. And at one point, I had 75 staff. Now, can you imagine what I'm, I'm, I'm not good now? But go back 40 years, yeah. I mean, there was not a chance. And what happened? Well, I, so I then had another office open up, employed another manager, not a leader, because I didn't understand the difference then. And then you wonder why you don't do that well. So you put another member of staff there to help them out. Recruitment's not complicated if you hire really nice people and who are coachable. I'm going to repeat that. Hire nice people who are coachable. There's a good chance of success. All right. I, I, I totally agree with that. I think one of the challenges is the quality of the coaching out there. Okay, so that's the next thing. So leaders, before they become leaders, need to understand, do they want to be a leader? So do you know much about Facebook? Uh, no, I've got hacks, actually. But when you work at Facebook, if you don't want to be a leader, you can continue being what I call a single-user operator. And if you decide to be a team leader, you don't get more money. You've chosen to be a leader. You'll get more money later on. But instead of being really good at this, so I'm now going to need to lead a team, that's a choice. And I think too many people in recruitment are made a leader because they've done well in sales. And now they're sitting at the end of a table with four or five people with no idea how to motivate and lead them. Then someone says, you need to go on a coaching course, but they don't understand what the real basic issue is. So you and I going on the same coaching course would nearly be a waste of money because we have different needs, different wants, different demands. Yeah. It's like we both want to play sport, but you want to play basketball and I want to play football. And then yeah. we both come onto a football team. Well, yeah. we don't individualise coaching. We don't individualise training. We don't understand their personal dynamics. We don't understand their past background. And if I really told you the truth, great leaders should be therapists. Therapists more than coaches. Yeah. Then no, no, yeah. that's what you and I need to be. If you yeah. work with a team of people, you've got to be a therapist. You've got to understand that the shit, pardon my language, that's happening over there gets brought into work. Yeah. When they leave work, they're bringing that into their home place. And that's yeah. why there's so many issues. So we're not getting under the skin of our people. No, but what we do, we just send them on a coaching course or we send them on a sales course. Well, yeah. It's a bit like, have you ever gone shopping? I'll ask you a ridiculous. Have you ever been shopping? Many times. Have you ever taken the old food out of your fridge and put them in the bottom of the bag and taken it with you and then put fresh food, fresh food on top of the old food? <laughs> no, no, that's, what do, well, that's what we do. We go on a course. <laughs> Take us that isn't very good onto a course, and now we're learning more stuff on top of the stuff we don't really know. Yeah. And then worse, get ready for this, because this is the creme de la creme. We're then expected to go back on the phones 
without assimilating the information, without writing down and sharing it with other people. And of course, it's not going to work first time. Do you play golf? Yeah. Okay. Do you play reasonable golf? Yeah. All right. Okay. You know that if you had a golf lesson, the first thing they're going to do is change the grip. You agree? Yeah. And within three minutes, what was 140 yards straight is 120 yards to the right. And then you say the coach is shit. Yeah, true. Wait, the coaching is wrong. So you go back to the same behavior you were doing before, and then you can only hit for all 140 yards. Yeah. You yeah. stuck a bit longer with the coach and understood why he's getting you to change your grip. You can see I'm an ex-professional tennis player. Grip is everything in tennis and golf. Okay. If you change your grip an inch, I can make anyone a much better tennis player within about eight seconds if they get a smaller grip and they get their grip right. I don't even, they don't even have to touch a ball. I can make them play better. But it's not going to feel comfortable in the beginning. And they're going to go, I want to go back to how it was. I said, well, why'd you come to me as a coach? So, all right, Nigel. That is so utterly commonsensical that we need to, we need to build leaders who are coaches to help individually, personally, to be the people they want to be and to understand what they're looking for. What but why do they even want to be a leader, by the way? Because some of the people in, in recruitment think by being a leader, it's going to be better for them. Yeah. I'd, I, if I, I'd be great in recruitment, by the way, until I became a leader of a team. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So think about some of the companies within TRN. You've got some super people who are, I'm going to give you a new animal now, okay, who are what I call leopards. Ooh, don't know leopards. I know, it's new. It's part of the new part of my deal here. So do you know much about leopards in the wild? Uh, I think they, they hang out, they're in trees quite a lot, looking down. Yeah, one of the reasons they're in trees is because they don't hang around with people. They don't hang around with other animals. Yeah. They hunt well, and they take their spoils up to the tree and eat on their own. Yeah. Lions collectively work together, hunt well together, and then enjoy the spoils together. Yeah. So selfish salespeople in recruitment who are doing really well are what I call leopards. They're very good at what they do, but they're not really team players. And then you ask them either to join a team or to lead a manager team. Well, they're leopards. They don't change their spots. They don't yeah. really want to share their best information. Yeah. However, imagine you're the only person in TRN who could do a webinar and who is phenomenal at something, and your couple of colleagues are much better at other stuff. Then that's great if we know your sole role. But to get you to be part of a team may not work. I'm mm. not a great team player on stage. I have one other speaker. You know Jeff Ram. Yeah, yeah. Abraham and I do a double act, okay, for 20 minutes. So he'll speak, I'll speak, we'll come on together. But I don't want to do that with many people. I'm not really that type of sociable animal on stage. I want to do it's my show. Yeah. So the idea of you saying, no, let a couple of my people come and work with you, it will end up being my show. I will take over. I'll be a leopard. And in recruitment, that often happens with some of your good salespeople. They're very good on their own. They've got their own clients. They don't want to cross-sell. They don't want to share. They don't want to pass names over, mm. which is part of what recruitment is about, because they're leopards. Yeah. Wow. Throwing in a new animal there, Nigel. I've got four others, but we'll deal with that another time. We'll deal with that. All right. So uh, animal-wise, uh, is, is, is a particular animal that's more suited to run a, a small business than, than others? Okay. So... Traditionally, lions 
who are king of the jungle, male or female, can run a recruitment business very well, provided they listen really well and they're willing to be vulnerable. Now, for English people, that's quite hard because we don't share. It's, I, I can't share personal stuff. I've come to work and I'm only going to deal with work. Yeah. Listening is not the greatest skill. They're good at talking. But you've got a whole menagerie of animals in your camp. You've got monkeys entertaining and not following through. You've got elephants who are doing research and who can't ring a client for another three days because they've got all their paperwork right. And then you've got dolphins making cups of tea and making, it fair, making sure it's fair trade tea. You know, you've got all this stuff going on and the lion's going, just ring up a few people. Get on the phone. <laughs> you yeah. can probably recognise some of your members. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Monkeys, by the way, make great leaders because they're much more entrepreneurial. The problem is they don't follow through very well. And then and and, I, and they're what I call the 89% people. They do a job 89% well, that's good enough for them. I've rung most of my people back. I think I've rung most of them. I think I have. I can't remember. But I've rung most of them back. They have lots of fun and the energy seems great, but it's a bit chaotic. Then you've got the elephant leaders who are very matter-of-fact and they'll have charts and they'll have uh, um, score charts and they'll have 400 records and times when they've called. The problem is they operate from perfection, not excellence. So they're not going to ring anybody unless they get the exact number, the exact person to speak to, with the mm. exact job, and they've got the exact candidate. Whereas a monkey, they'll ring up an, an aeronautical society and say, I've got a plumber. I thought you might need a plumber at some point. I don't know if you do, but whilst I'm on the phone, John is a plumber. He'd be great. And then the dolphins, bless them, want to make sure all of us are being looked after and they care a lot, but they don't care about themselves. So they're so busy making sure everyone else is happy, they don't get their own needs met. Every time I listen to you, Nigel, I keep coming back to this self-awareness thing because a lot of what you you talk about is, you know, as a leader, do you really understand people's personal needs? Do you really understand their personality? Do you really understand the environment? You know? Um, I mean, is that the obvious starting point for us all? If I said to you, what I really am is a self-esteem peak performance coach. Okay. But if you say the word self-esteem in the UK, people get really nervous. Yeah. So if someone comes up with a fancy title that I'm a global leader who specialises in peak performance. Underneath all of that, it's about self-esteem. So yeah. people want their self-esteem to be enhanced by feeling good, by being acknowledged, doing the best job they can. And the reason that self-esteem is so important is because it's their life place, it's their oxygen. So when people get results or they get a phone call or they get an interview, their dopamine and their serotonin levels increase and they think mm. they're doing a wonderful job. But it's short term because you've got to love, I'm going to go a bit deep here. You need to love yourself regardless of what's going on. Mm. If I allow you... The only, if if for the exam, at the end of this interview you say, that was a really good podcast, thank you very much indeed, I'm needing your approval to make me feel good. And you may be on three other podcasts and you may not have time and you close the meeting and then I go, oh, you didn't love me. You didn't say you, I did the best job. I was the best guest he's ever had. So now you've got all the power. This yeah. is what happens in recruitment, that the client or the candidate's got all the power. And if the candidate or the client doesn't call back, we go, we didn't do a good enough job. The reason the client didn't call back is because they've got three other things going on 
and the company's got four meetings and AGM and there's other mm. stuff going on. Mm. But we rely all of our self-esteem on other people's approval. So if everyone who was listening got one key message, you don't need their approval to make you feel good. It's nice to have, don't get me wrong. I want you to say I'm the best guest you've ever had, obviously. But there's a chance you're not going to say it. Mm. Or do, so now with the next phone call I make, am I going to go over the top to make sure they approve me? Or I go to my wife, I'm going to be a bit weird here, and say, we better have sex tonight. So I know I need affirmation. And she says, look, I'm tired. Oh, my God, my wife's turned me down. Gordon's turned me down. And, you know, I mean, now everyone's got the power. Yeah. And I'm left feeling shite. Because you let, let it affect you. Because that's what self-esteem is about. Yeah. You've got the power. I mean, I'm lucky in a way. I'm 61. I still like working with clients. And I still want a bit more work. But I'm not like I was at 35, where I'm chasing every client and I'm writing emails. I didn't know if you got my last email. I just thought I'd call you. I'm passing by Doncaster. Could I pop in? I'm coming from, that's called coming from scarcity. Yeah. I'm slightly lucky. I'm coming from abundance. I've yeah. got a great wife. I've got two fantastic kids. I've got two and a half grandchildren. There's another one on the way. I'm living my best life. I'm having great fun. But that comes across in my voice. It comes across in the way I write to people. And when someone says they don't want me, I go, okay. Of course I can be upset for, for nine seconds or nine minutes. But you're not going to change my world because of it. Mm. And in recruitment, which is such a fast pace where every candidate, you know, must want to come do this interview and every company must want to give us the instruction. If everyone gave you the instruction, your fees are too low. And if every candidate came to you and was on time, there's a problem going on somewhere. Mm. Mm. How many, um, what's changed in the 25 years since you've been doing this, Nigel? Because, you know, you the concept of self-esteem has been around for 25 years. The uh, We've been talking about leadership management for 25 years. What, 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 if anything, has changed? Or Because the principles, when you talk about the, um, the zookeeping principles, those principles are absolutely rock solid. They make so much sense. And I've, I've heard you many times, and I know the principles from, from different psych psychometric assessments, et cetera. It's so powerful. Are we do are we better at it, or we or 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 do you think we we've not moved? Okay, I'm gonna again. I'm gonna give you two answers. This has been going on since Adam and Eve, and Moses, and Jesus were the disciples. I mean, it's not new stuff. Any of this, okay? Mm. So you'd think we'd have got better at it. The problem is, the minute we get a bit uncomfortable and we get rejection, we revert back to scarcity and thinking if we speak louder, hopefully they'll understand. Mm. I don't, I, I, we used to have au pairs in our house and my mother-in-law, bless her, would just speak louder thinking they didn't understand. They were speaking the wrong language. They, she understood, but speaking louder is not going to help. So <laughs> self-esteem hasn't changed at all. People want to feel loved, nurtured, special. We need to know what makes us feel loved, nurtured and special. Yeah. So, you know, when I was on stage with you guys four or five years ago, there was Diet Coke and Cadbury's chocolate on the stage. Do you remember? Yes. The reason is because they're my personal need. That makes me happy. So I share what would make me really happy. So there could be Diet Coke and Cadbury's chocolate on stage, and you just let me play. That makes me happy. You can only do that if you trust me. So now we've got a trusted relationship, 
I've been given my personal needs and I can play. If leaders understood what made their people tick, what things don't work for them, not everyone wants to come in at nine o'clock in the morning and leave at six o'clock at night. We've got this, you know, now we've either got work from home, go into the office, and we have team meetings. And all, it's, it's nonsense. Mm. Do you know what works best for your people? Do you know what works best for your clients, for the candidates? Have we even thought about social dynamics? And for me, most important, the world hasn't changed. People want jobs. We've got some candidates and we've got some clients. What's changed over 100 years? How about, I've got a theory. Go for it. Feel, feel free to shoot it down. How about, because um, you said something right in the beginning, actually, it's it's businesses, uh, it's, it's people. Businesses are people, effectively. So we've got to get that bit right. In the digital world in which we live, um, the product and the visibility of the products has maybe changed the dynamic from however many years ago, and that, that, that the focus on the people is less intense than it used to be. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm going with this. That I, we're, in a different, we're in a different world where we have more visible products, more easily consumable products, uh, more fleeting. If we have more choice. Yes. Okay, so... But That's where I was trying to go. I, th I thought you were. I was just going to help you out there. <laughs> but a hundred years ago, we had more choice than we did five hundred years. Yeah, and we had more choice than the last ten years, the last fifty years. Yeah, yeah. So, so think change is inevitable. Growth is optional. So change is going to occur whether we like it or not. But what isn't going to change is relationships and people building relationships with people and yeah. working with people you trust. Yeah. So the reason we're doing a podcast and before the eight. You said, should we just roll with it? It's because you trusted me. Totally, yeah. If you didn't trust me, you'd have sent me a set of questions that you, we might be discussing in advance. That's and so you'll, true. And you'll do that with some of your guests because you either don't know them, you don't trust them. Yeah. I then said, whenever we want to do the podcast, we, may, we might have to mess about, change it by 15 minutes, but you trusted me. So all of a sudden, we start our relationship with a much better place than you sending me 10 questions. Yeah. Instantly, I'd go, he doesn't trust me. Yeah. So yeah. there are times where has any of that changed over a hundred years? I remember getting my first job interview in nine get rid of this nineteen seventy-eight. And I turned up and the guy said, Do you want to just do a couple of hours so I can see how you work? And I answered the phones. I mean, I had to be taught how to press that button. You remember you have to press the button, then you'd answer the phone. I just need to know what button to press. I was answering phones before I was my last day of school was June the fifteenth. I started work June the sixteenth. And my 16th birthday was July the 2nd. And the guy said, well, off you go. Right. You keep, you, you keep using the trust word. You, um, you talk a lot about where we sometimes get it wrong between trusting and liking. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned that. So, go um, on. Would it be fair to say that you and I trust each other? Yes. Okay. I don't know if you like me and I like you. I don't know that yet. I do like, by the yeah, way, I do like you. Yeah, but that's a separate issue. We don't have to like each other yeah. to do a podcast, but I promise you I have to trust the person I'm doing it with because I don't know where this is going. I don't yeah. know if you're going to be selling it, if it's going on a pro. I don't know that stuff. Yeah. If I didn't trust you, I wouldn't be doing the podcast. And yeah. too many people have got like-minded people they work with. I'll give you an example. Ask your recruiters, the next big meeting you've got, how many bosses would give their credit card and the last three numbers to 
85 percent of their staff yeah i mean here's my debit card i'll show it up and then i'll tell you the last three numbers i have no issue i i don't have an issue at all but that's because it's trust with me and you but the game is you've got bosses allowing their staff to talk to their clients not candidates Mm. Their clients, they could mess up 100%, and they're letting them do all that, but they wouldn't give them their credit card. Mm. I mean, I could I could make some of your meetings much shorter. Write a list of all the people in your company. Do you trust or like them? And if you don't trust them, they should be fired today. And does that liking, does that go back to that self-esteem thing we were talking about? Because I like to like people, and, and therefore, if, if I like people who like me, then it's it's better on my self-esteem to hang around with them yeah the problem is but do you trust them i've got some speaker friends and i'm not going to mention any names who i really like and we've had some real fun with but i wouldn't go into business with them yeah. now my accountant who i trust one trillion percent i've just come back from australia i wouldn't want to be sitting on a plane with him for 24 hours <laughs> and i think in recruitment you know you've got that energy with people yeah and, and uh, they're, they're quite brash. They're quite loud. They're out there on the phones, banging the phones, trying to get appointments. Yeah. So I'll put money on. How many members have you got? How many company members have you got, roughly? 350-odd. Okay, I'll put money on. Of the 350 members, 200 will have at least one member of staff they don't trust. Yeah. Why are they employed? And, and, and how, what, what am I using as a criteria for trust? Is it delivery? Is it? You Okay, trust is like pregnancy, by the way. You either do trust or you don't. No one's ever been a little bit pregnant. <laughs> right, okay. So I'm just tr using my gut. Yeah, and, and that's really key. So you've just said something that's really key, that your gut is your second brain, okay? The vagus nerve, which goes from the top of your cortex down to your stomach, is the largest nerve in your body. And yeah. when you get that funny feeling in your stomach, that's your gut telling you to be careful. So we teach CEOs to have a gut diary. This will help all of your members now. So when I meet people, so we're looking for more zookeepers. So I've got 11 around the world. I'm looking for another however many more. And when I meet with them, or I do, especially if I meet them face to face, within one second, I write down trust or not, like them or not. Okay, within one, literally five, 10 seconds. Yeah. 99% of the time I'm right. Okay. And I can afford to be wrong the one time because I'm right the other 99. Yeah. A bit like today's meeting. I had a meeting which I thought might go on too long. So I said, do you mind if we move it back half an hour? And I trusted it would be okay. So I agreed both meetings. Most people would never do that. But my gut reaction in meeting schedule is phenomenal. Hiring staff is awful. So I can't trust my gut in hiring staff. I'm not good at it. And I have a gut diary that tells me I'm wrong 90% of the time. But I can double up on bookings more than any other speaker in the world. Yeah. Which is scary, by the way. Yeah. Interesting. One other thing, Nigel, I'm just really interested in. You you said something that struck such a chord with me uh, when I was reflecting on it. The because uh, I run a business, I'm in a bit of a box. The concept of finding a business you admire, okay, and taking one one thing. It, 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 do you want to just? Okay, just so, I'd like to hear it. 
again, okay, so it's, use, it's so powerful use, and so simple. Let's use recruitment as an example. And I'm going to ask you to mention a company name. Tell me one of the recruitment members you really love in your that you there are a member. Just give me one. All right. Understanding recruitment. Okay, so they're a company. Are they pretty good, I presume? Yeah, they're very good. Okay, the problem is, if I model my business on them, they may not be doing it that well. They just might be doing it a bit better than I am. Yeah. They have modeled their business on a deco. They've modeled their business on manpower. I'm going to show my age here. Whoever it might be. But if you were to look at something like... Uh, so my local garage, okay, I've got a local garage that changes tyres. So there's some burly blokes in there. Hello, which tyre do you want? But whenever I ring up, the first thing they say is, when do you want to come in? That's their opening line. When do you want to come in? Yeah. So how do you think I feel when they say that? Good, welcome. Yeah, when do you want to come in? Not, let me just look yeah. at my diary. Yeah. When do you want to come in? It makes me feel special. Okay. Yeah. When I then get there, there's always a cup of tea waiting for me. Yeah. A mug of tea, two chocolate bourbon biscuits, mug of tea. Very few people have ever rejected a business that gives you a cup of tea and two bourbon biscuits. Okay. It's yeah. not a silver plate, but their toilets are cleaner than your toilets at home. Because mm. what are that? What do you think that then tells me? The care of the professionals, yeah. um, doing it, getting I mean, the right matters. Greasy over there, but their hygiene for what matters is really key, which means yeah. I trust them with my vehicle. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I've got a business where the people, I like the people, their energy is good. They give me a couple of bickies because I know I'm, that's my thing. And their toilet is spotless. So I admire that business more than, for example, a Barclays Bank branch, for example. Yeah. Because they, what they've really done is they've thought about their customers. Anytime you wrap a garage mechanic normally, or you ring up your, to have a car service, we're very busy at the moment. They get, they get, you hear the diary going, ooh, about the 14th of January. Well, the reason I've rung you up is I need my car serviced. Now, I don't know how they do, how they operate the way they do, but they manage whenever I want my car done um, and they're just off a of high street and they're busy, but they don't make me feel like I'm imposing on them. Yeah. When clients ring up us in recruitment and go, I've got a couple of vacancies, you go, all right, my, my, I might have to call you back. I'm just on the other line. Do me a favor, it's a sale. Yeah. This is orgasm time for me. You got a client who wants to give us business. And I know we're all busy, but you've got to put out there that this is the most important thing in the world. And even if you can't place the person, you need to tell them in 15 minutes, I really want to thank you for the instruction. We haven't placed it today, but what we, this is what we're doing. And they mm. always let me know by text where my car is, how long it's going to be. And they just keep me informed. We... So I'm asking everyone to think about a business where you've had phenomenal service. And if you broke it down, what was the bit you loved that they did? Mm. And you'll find it's not that complicated. So I've got an accountancy firm that now doesn't employ a receptionist, okay? So you go into the building and there's a, 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 a six-foot cutout of a, of a receptionist and it says, press this button and someone will be there in under 7.2 seconds. Yeah. So you press the button and have a guess what 99% of people do. They go watch. They look at their watch. 
And within 7.2 seconds, somebody greets you. So now you're not worried about waiting, which you'd be a little bit pissed about because it's a bit of a game now. Oh, I wonder, I wonder if they're going to be late. And, they, and somebody turns up. Whereas if you think about most offices, the whence, nobody wants to sit in reception because they're on their own. Mm. Where they've just saved themselves 20 grand a year by having someone sit on their own who doesn't really want to be on their own by playing a game. Mm. That's pretty cool. They've got a drinks menu, okay? And this is a accountancy firm. And on their menu, they've got champagne. Yeah. In 15 years, no one's asked for it. But it's on the menu. But have a guess what everyone talks about. They've got it on the menu. One last thing they do. Just think about this from a recruitment point of view. In March of every year, they send all their clients to KitKat, okay? And they say, take a break. Send us your accounts. Send us your figures. Load to their staff on the 1st of March, drink out the company and go, where's my Kit Kat? It's just simple stuff that doesn't need much of a budget that makes people feel special. Whereas you start competing with some enormous recruitment company that's got offices around the world and they've got colour-coded and they've all... You can't compete with that stuff. Mm. You know, you must have some very small members, yeah. you know, three or four, or big members of 100 people. You're going to look up to them. They've got the latest phone system, or they've got some, everything's on a PDF. We can't all do that. But what we can do is make people feel special. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Do we overcomplicate? Um... Oh, over the, completely. I yeah. send people Cadbury's chocolate, and I, and I send people, my, my latest thing is uh, some of my business cards, okay? Yeah. Yeah. People are so excited when I give them a business card with their animal type on. Love it. Love the, the it. Less is more, but more personalization and more fun. Got it. I'm going to take that away. I'm going to take that away. Um, Nigel, I, I could carry this on for a long, long time. The, you, um, For people who want to reach out to you, what could you do for... Go to, go, to my web, go to my website. There's a quiz online, at, which we don't even take details down. They can yeah. find out what some of their animals are. If they want some coaching or they want some products, they put in the word pivot, they get a discount. Yeah. Um, and if you're, doing a, if you're doing a company away day and you really want a bit of fun with your away day, don't bring a sports star in who's going to tell you how they got a gold medal. You're never going to get a gold medal. I just want to share that with you, Gordon. You want someone who's going to actually do entertainment. They're going to entertain the staff, train them, and it's memorable. And I do that, and I've got some other colleagues, if I'm not the right fit, I can put you in touch with. I love it. Love it. Um, Nigel, that was uh, an absolute joy. Um, and we will we will speak to you again, definitely. I'll be on one of your platforms soon somewhere in the world. You, you will be. You will be. We'll keep, we'll keep coming back. And can't wait to hear what's coming after the leopard as well. You have to wait. I will see you very soon. Thank you, Gordon. Don't forget to follow the TRM podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts for a new exciting episode every week.